Greg and Josh are not paid critics. They are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They are just two nerds that love to talk about internet shows. However, they're still going to tell you about what they think. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of All Queued Up. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. Uh, I'm Greg Dietz, and with me always is Josh Fisher. How you doing, buddy? Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry I threw you off there. <laughs> well, it was just, it, it, it was specifically the wording, I think, and also my brain likes to visualize things, so there was that, but... I know, and this is why it's fun for me to do this every week. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got a kick out of it. Um... Guys, welcome to All Queued Up again. As I said earlier, I don't know why I'm repeating it. If you're new to the podcast, what Josh and I do here is we watch two shows in their entirety on an internet streaming platform service. Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube Premium, what have you. We Upcoming uh, just, Disney Plus starting in November. Yes. Very much yes. Um, uh, but uh, after, we, after we discuss it and give our opinions, we also give it a grade at the end. We'll let you know kind of where we stand on it. Um, just as an FYI, sometimes we do talk about spoilers, so if you haven't watched the show, you might have some stuff spoiled for you, I mean, almost definitely. Um, maybe heavy spoilers, not so much, but definitely minor spoilers. Uh, also to, on top of that, uh, we do have shows that have heavy themes, so if there's stuff in there that you don't really, aren't, aren't pervy to, don't want to hear about, feel free to skip it, it's fine by us, we understand, and I can promise you with... The utmost certainty both shows have that this week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so there's that. Uh, that being said, guys, we are going to talk about the Amazon original adaptation of the comic book The Boys um, and the final season of Orange is the New Black. Um, but uh, I think that's it. So let's dive right into The Boys, Josh. All right. Well, the boys, it, as as you mentioned, <clears throat> is based on a comic book. It was written by Garth Ennis, who is one of my favorite comic authors. Um, it's set in a universe where superheroes are recognized as heroes by the general public, but they are owned by a powerful corporation, Vought International. They ensure that the supers are properly marketed and monetized. But outside of the heroic personas, most of them are, most of them are arrogant, corrupt jerks. Uh, the series primarily focuses on two groups: the Supers and Vought, uh, specifically the Seven, which are the premier team under Vought International, and the Boys. They're vigilantes looking to keep these corrupted heroes in check and under control. Uh, the leader of the boys is Billy Butcher and he's played brilliantly by Carl Urban I think is this is probably my favorite character that Carl Urban has ever played uh, Um, I can tell you right now before we get into the thing uh, yeah. all the characters that are directly from the comic including every character within the boys Homelander, uh -huh. Queen Mob, Starlight, 
uh, Black Noir, The Deep. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if there's any others directly from the comic. Uh, there's probably a couple of those I'm missing, but they all play their characters almost identically to the comic character. Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah, like... like I've not read the comic yet, but I did just recently acquire access to the entire series run in the form of the three different volumes omnibuses, so I'm going to start reading it very soon. Um, yeah, I, I, so there's a, there's an infamous, uh, uh, I need to stop watching a video on my phone of, of Gordon Ramsay cutting open a sturgeon. Um, so, uh, there's an infamous, uh, uh, plot thread, if you will, within the boys called Hero Gas. It's pretty, it's not super far, I will say it's one-third of the way into the whole story of the boys, but Herogasm was so awful to me that I stopped reading, and not like in, in theme, just like it was boring. It was really fucking boring. And it was long, too. It was like a, it was like a solid year worth of comics. And, uh, some people loved it, some people hated it. Maybe I hated it at the time, and if I reread it, it'll be different, but I didn't like it at all. So I stopped reading then. Um, I should have kept going with it. I should have just been like, you know, muscled through that part, but I, I just liked it so much. I just moved on to something else that caught my attention. But from that portion of the boys that I read, uh, which a lot of this season kind of derives from, I can guarantee you right now that one of the biggest things about this show is there are things they do different. Uh, they do a lot of similar stuff, but like the ending primarily way different. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, like uh, major spoiler alert. If you haven't watched the show, this is a huge spoiler alert. But I have to kind of get this out to kind of give the comparable to Josh here. Um, well, well, we can get to that. Let's not jump directly to the ending. Okay, don't let me forget that because I do want to tell you the difference. Yeah, yeah. But. Mm. Uh, what I find fascinating, the reason I'm mentioning the difference there, is that, for me, this kind of changes where the dynamic of the show could go. Um, it, it completely kind of... It, I mean, even from watching it from this perspective, you're kind of like, well, yeah, what happens next, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, sorry, we're talking about the ending. Um, the show overall is fucking awesome. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. This show is a lot of fun. It is a very visceral, a very gory, uh, in a delightful way. Um, but the story itself is very powerful, very strong, well-told, well-written, great dialogue, great production value, great action, and... I absolutely love it. Um, so to set it up, what happens, you know, Billy Butcher, he's the leader of the boys. He recruits a young man named Huey, Hugh Campbell. Uh, in the very opening episode, you see Huey. He works in a small electronic shop um, where they sell and repair various electronic items. So he's pretty tech savvy uh he and his girlfriend are out talking walking uh going to lunch 
and he's holding her hands, and she's looking him in the eyes, and all of a sudden, boom, the speedster of the seven runs through her and just explodes her body, and it goes into slow motion at the instant you see blood, bits of spine, chunks of skull, chunks of brain, ass, blood, and guts flying everywhere. And Huey looks down, he's covered in her blood, and he's just holding her hands and wrists in his hands. And it freaks him out. And the guy looks, he's like, I can't stop, I gotta go. And he just takes off running. A-train. Uh, so, naturally, Huey's devastated, and, uh, you know, uh, they, they go on, they go on TV, and A-Train makes, like, a, uh, statement he makes a statement and but he doesn't apologize and Huey he just wanted an apology they offer him $45,000 and he has to sign a non-disclosure agreement he can never uh, speak on it at all to anyone and he's not happy with that so now he's recruited he's approached to be recruited by Billy Butcher and that's where our story picks up. And man, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's uh so that's that theming is very similar to the comic. Um as a matter of fact, the way that uh we spoiled that, right? The very like fucking first five minutes of the show. Well, that's the thing. That's in the trailer, so Okay. I don't care to spoil things that are in the trailer for people. Um, A-Train turning his girlfriend into a fine miss while he's still holding her hands is 100% from the comic. No. Um, like, borderline directly from the comic. Uh, the difference, the difference, not a New York street, it was in a, it was in a carnival. Oh, it was in and, a carnival, and, okay. And A-Train was actually chasing down a villain. Oh, Okay. Well, in this, he wasn't chasing down a villain. No, which made it more, made it slightly different. Like, it was interesting how they did that. I wouldn't say more interesting. It was just, it was just different. Because okay. the, the comic, the comic kind of goes with the, the line of thinking that, um, I don't remember who wrote this, but there's a, there's a, there's a Marvel comic book called, uh, Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And it's, if you haven't read it, it's basically, like, what if the superheroes, sorry, what if superheroes accidentally killed uh, 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 Frank Castle's wife and, and kid uh, while trying to fight a villain? Like, what if it was they were just accidental collateral damage? Yeah. And it's Punisher fucking destroying everybody. Um, it's an awesome read if you haven't read it, just FYI. But uh, it almost seems like that's the kind of route the comic wants to take. Where the show was like, well, we don't have that much time. So yeah. let's kind of narrow down what is the worst thing about each of these uh, soups, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very uh, very interesting because, you know, they definitely play into these heroes, specifically the Seven, are just morally depraved. Uh at least early on, it seems that way. Now, there is also the one girl she has brought on. Uh, she's just a regular person with powers. Uh, her name's Annie. 
she actually auditions and is accepted to become the newest member of the seven because one went into retirement. Well, that was the cover story anyway. Um, and she's added to the team as Starlight. Um, she looks so very, 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 very close to her comic book counterpart. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, and, now, and I like how, you know, she does have morals and she is there because she wants to make a difference. She wants to be a hero. She wants to help people. And now she's in this massive nightmare of corporate red tape and talking points and, you know, uh, personal appearances and has to, you know, they want her to dress a certain way. And so her, her story, the other side of the story is interesting too, because you're seeing things from her point of view and her and Huey casually meet and not knowing or realizing who each other are. You know, he's currently going through the, uh, issue with dealing with, uh, he just wants an apology from A Train, and he wants. And that, that's all he really wanted. He didn't want compensation. He didn't want to sign an NDA. He just wanted to be able to get an apology, a genuine apology, and go through and proceed with his life the best that he could. She's wanting to make a difference, but she's struggling with seeing what it's really like behind the scene. And they meet and become friends. Uh, Butcher finds out about this, and he wants to exploit that avenue as using Huey as a means to get on the inside. And it's fascinating. Yeah, so from my perspective, and again, you haven't read the comic, so I'm not trying to tell you too much of the comic, but um, that was a slight deviation from the comic. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, Billy, uh, from, the, from the get, Billy wanted him on the team. Billy was okay. like, you you and I have a very similar thread, and I feel like you'd be a good asset. Uh, not just necessarily what he used him for, so. Uh, yeah. Well, of course, you know, that wasn't the reason why he put him on the team. That was a bonus that came afterwards. He wanted him on the team because he realized with his tech savvy, he could be useful. That was established in the show. That was just something that came later, like two or three episodes in. At least three episodes in. And they're like, we're going to use this to our advantage. Right. Which is... I mean, there's another huge thing that's different about this show versus the comic. Compound V. Okay. Does it not exist in the comic? Oh, it exists, but it's not used in the way that the show does. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's basically a pill that gives anybody superhuman powers for a short period of time. Oh, okay. And there is no there is no as far as I know, I mean they may have done it in later issues, but it's a, it's it, there's no known side effects. So there's actually like a small bit they didn't do in the show, but there's like cuz the world is surrounded by superheroes outside of Vought. And yeah. um one of my favorite plot threads they did in the in the boys was when they essentially made fun of X-Men for a whole whole arc. That was great. Um yeah. but there are these two there are these two superheroes that are kind of fucking up and they're 
abusing their power in different ways and whatnot. And, uh, uh, they all take the, the pill, Mother's Milk, Frenchie, everyone takes the pill. And they go to fight these guys. And Huey accidentally, like, punches a hole in one of their heads. Um, oh, damn. Yeah. So I think the way that they changed that for the, for the show, because they still wanted Huey to have that moment of accidentally killing a soup or intentionally killing a soup. So oh, they so changed they it, it for with... the show. Yeah. Okay, okay, translucent. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, I mean, here's the thing is it's, the theming and the ideas are still there within the boys versus the comic, even though some stuff has changed. It's, uh, it was really interesting for me to watch it and watch these characters who I had assumed would take Compound V, <laughs> but didn't. And instead they were finding unique and clever ways to get at the superheroes. Um, and I found that to be fucking utterly fascinating. It was kind of like that idea of like, I've already read the comic. I don't need to see it again kind of thing, you know. But it makes enough differentiations and twer- tweaks the story without detracting from the source material and staying true to the source material but flipping the script a little bit in an interesting and fascinating way so you're getting something new. Which is the way I prefer adaptations to be done. Um, right, it, it's, I don't know, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly, other than, like, I was just really, really pleased with how they handled it. Uh, it was fun. It's just fun. Now, like, I, yeah. I, I, like, here's, here's the crazy part to me, Josh, too, and I, and I wanted to point this out. I, I commented on Twitter about it, so if you follow me, at Trebrock Geek on Twitter, you'd have seen this. Um, Garth Ennis wrote The Boys. He also wrote Preacher. And to me, mm-hmm. Preacher and the boys have a very similar idea. Just one's about religion and the other's about soups. Or superheroes, yeah. sorry. Um, and they're both ultra-violent. They're both, you know, they make uh, uh, these godlike people into villains. Um, mm-hmm. Or bad guys. And to me, they're, they just have a ve- they're very similar. In, in general, and, and and actually, in preacher, God is a bad guy, <laughs> I <mean>. right? <laughs> um, which is what makes the ending so so satisfying. Oh, uh, absolutely. Which I really hope they do with the show. <laughs> oh, <really> absolutely. Hope... <laughs> the fact that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have gotten to be the executive producers of these shows and gotten them made is just one of the best things ever, and I'm just wondering, what could they go after next? Uh, whatever they just choose to go after next, I'm sure it'll be fucking great, but, um, but yeah, like, uh, uh, my dad fucking loved the boys. Loved the boys. He was like, I could stop, he, well, he binged it one whole day. He doesn't do that shit normally. Wow. So, yeah, like, he fucking loved it. But he hates Preacher. Really? Like, yeah, fucking hates Preacher. And I, Is it I tried. Because of the religious aspect of it? So, no. It has mm. nothing to do with that. 
Uh, he just thought it was too over the top. He thought it was too ridiculous. But loves it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, very confused by that. Um, that 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 doesn't make sense to me at all, because this is just as absurd and over-the-top in aspects as Preacher is. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, and on the other hand, my mom loves Preacher. Like, we're excited about watching that premiere, which we haven't had a chance to yet, but we're going to yeah. here probably tomorrow. I need um, to get caught up on Preacher, actually, but yeah. Uh, by tomorrow, I mean, you know, not Saturday, but you get what Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, even though we could on Saturday. Anyway, uh, yeah, we, we, she, like, she loves Preacher. My dad's watching the boys. She starts to watch it. She's like, I can't really get into this. It's just not my thing. I'm like, what? What is it? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's What's so bizarre. What's her reasoning that she can't get into it? I'm assuming it because it has to do with superheroes, even though she loves Avengers. So... Maybe it's not that? I don't know, man. Like, it's really strange. And my parents are not the type of people to genuinely express exactly what their distaste or, or uh, what they like about something exactly. Like, they don't, they're not able to express that well. Oh, you mean like all parents and their kids? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I just found it so bizarre because, like, I, I, I love the show. I, I really did. I love Preacher. I love the, you know, both the comics. I, I really, I feel bad for not continuing the boys, but I will. I will. Um. Now, one of the things I want to talk about in the very first episode, Starlight. Uh, now, as, as we said, there are some dark things in this show. And before each episode, you're given warnings, the tags at the beginning. You know, strong language, violence, uh, sexual abuse, sexual assault, rape, uh, drug use, things like that. And the first episode said there's rape depicted in it. But there is actual no on-screen depiction of rape. It's, it's uh, just strongly, there, strongly it's, 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 it's strongly implied and alluded to. Now, you could say it was definitely... Uh, sexual abuse or assault. Uh, but the character that actually performs the act later on in the series, when he's kind of fallen from grace and relocated to Ohio, um, he actually does suffer from rape. And it's on screen. Like the His, his name is The Deep. And he is the Aquaman of the group. He can talk to fish. He he seems like a sleaze bag. <laughs> and what it is, he... he no, we'll, that... we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. You know what I'm talking about. We'll get there. He, uh... He, Starlight is in the Seven's headquarters. And he's like, hey, yeah. Welcome to the show, kid. I'm basically like, you know, Homelander's number two, so... You want to get in good with him, you got to get in good with me. And she's like, you know, I used to have a crush on you when I was a teenager. And then she turns around, he's standing there with his junk out, pants around his ankles. And she's like, oh my God. He's like, what? You just said you had a crush on me. So it obviously means you want me. So be a good little girl and do this. And nobody has to know. Well, she did it. 
she wasn't happy about it, she did it. You know, it cuts away, it doesn't show anything, and then it shows her in the bathroom. She's thrown up and disgusted with herself that she did it. Disgusted with him for making her do it. And who knows what else, because, you know, we can't see all the emotions. They're, they're not voiced, but you can obviously tell she is not happy. That she was also slightly disturbed. different from the comic book. Oh, it was? It was Homelander, not the Deep. Oh, it was Homelander, not the Deep? Yeah. Okay. Well, the Deep gets... He he comes across as a real jerk, but he actually has a deep affinity for all aquatic creatures. He loves aquatic creatures, marine life. And he can't stand that the dolphins at SeaWorld are being held in captivity and mistreated and forced into the slave labor, as he calls it. And he wants to go and liberate them. So in one scene, he has stolen a dolphin, and he's got it in the back of a van. And it's, you know, strapped to a harness, and this dolphin's hitting on him. And he's like, yeah, I like you too. We're... We're friends. And this dolphin's hinting like this dolphin wants to be more than friends. He's like, well, we'll have to discuss that another time, you know, and the cops are chasing him. And then the cops actually barricade and block him, and he slams on his brakes. And when he does, the force of the sudden stop, this dolphin flies out of this harness <laughs> past him and looks him in the eye slowly before it careens through the windshield and skitters out into the street where it's run over by an 18-wheeler semi and just reduced to a puddle of goo. And he's horrified, and it was just the funniest fucking thing. And so, of course, he's banished to Ohio where there is no water. Um, you know, he, well, Ohio does border one of the Great Lakes, but he's like central Ohio, hours away from any body of water, and he's like to make theme park appearances and announce things, and this one girl comes back to his room, and she's like, you know, I've always, uh, been into you, and he's like, well, you know, okay, and she's like, Take your shirt off. He's like, no, I never take my shirt off. She's like, come on, I want to see. So he takes his shirt off, and he's got gills. But they're on his rib cage and his abdomen. And she's like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. And so she's trying to make out with him, and then she starts to fist his gills. And he's trying to stop her, and she is hurting him and causing him pain. And is fisting his gill. So she legit gill rapes him. <laughs> if that could be a thing. But now, you know, he, he's like, oh my God, you know, and I think he kind of realized in that situation how it felt. But there wasn't a tag for uh, rape or sexual abuse, sexual assault kind of thing. So I was like, well, that's weird. You know, kind of felt maybe there should have been one on there. <laughs> But the whole dolphin thing was just hilarious. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was cracking up. And, and, and that's another thing that I thought was really interesting was, uh, and if you if you follow the podcast for long enough, you know that my dad kind of has a very dry sense of humor. Uh, he was cracking up at a lot of stuff in this that you were intended to laugh at. Wow, so, that's good, man. Yeah. Because yeah. he usually doesn't laugh at a lot of things. When we make him no. laugh about a bit that we do, it makes me happy because I know he usually doesn't laugh at a lot of things. 
he'll say that's funny, but he doesn't really like laugh laugh. Yeah, right, right, right. And 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 so yeah, he 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 thought he thought that was funny. He thought uh, uh, one of the things he thought was really funny was how um, oh, what was it? Well, it was something to do with Homelander. I don't remember what it was though. Shit. Ah, whatever. It his matter. obsession, his his obsession was still well, maybe. No, I don't remember what it. I want to say that it was when, like, he he uh, he was jealous of her baby. Oh my oh, god! Because because he saw himself as that. Like, yeah. He had he had he had what psychologists basically say that children have that when they're the firstborn, and then the mm-hmm. second comes in, and. They're super jealous of that kid, and they'll do things to sabotage. Yeah. Um, it's essentially the same thing. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, he, he, it's fascinating. I, that, so, now that we're, uh, at the 30 mark, 30 minute mark of our recording, I don't know if it's gonna be the 30 minute mark of the show, can I talk about the difference between the ending? Not yet. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> But there, there, there's so much that goes on. I mean, you start out, you see Homelander. He comes across as this like. Oh, there was a deleted scene of Homelander, by the way. I know. Uh, we'll mention that. Uh, he comes across as this, you know, like all American. He's a hybrid between Superman and Captain America, and he comes across as you know all American, patriotic, great values, family first kind of guy. But he is the most morally depraved of the entire bunch. Um, he and it turns out this compound V, instead of being a pill, as in the comics, as you said, it's a an injection. It's a liquid injection, and it is given to babies, and they're dosed heavily with it, and that's how the supers are created. They're all lab experiments instead of just naturally occurring. Now, I don't know how it's done in the comics, how the super were came about. However, um, you find out that he was just raised in a lab by scientists, so he never got any, any type of uh, discipline or any type of mentoring or any parenting he was never taught manners or, you know, the difference between right and wrong. He was just like, this is a problem. You stop it. And because he is so powerful and because he has so much ability, he believes that nothing can touch him. But now he's under control of this uh, Vault International. And specifically, Madeline Stilwell, who's played by Elizabeth Shue, and she was awesome. You know, she's a middle-aged single mom, and she is the vice president of the company, and she's also his personal PR rep. And, you know, he is infatuated with her, but he hates her baby. Like, she sees the baby nurse, and he wishes it was him nursing. Uh, or the baby's crying. He's like, "Make it stop! It's loud." Yeah, he's, you know? he's ridiculous about it. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, "I have to take him to the doctor's appointment." He's like, "Why?" 
Well, as he needs a checkup, and he's just like, you can tell he just wants to laser eye that kid to death. As far as I know, I might have done something later in the issues of the comics, but um, that's new. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's a like, there's a lot like how they use Compound V to to kind of make the superhumans. Mm-hmm. That's not in the comic. Like mm. in the comic, they just exist as if they do in the ways that they do in Marvel and DC. Yeah, just naturally occurring through some form of birth or create. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and that's the whole thing with Compound V and A Train. You know, he was trafficking that Compound V. And he was actually moving some when he splattered through Huey's girlfriend, killing her. And, of course, Vought doesn't want Compound V to be known. So, right. you know, they want to keep it a secret. They don't want everything exposed. And, oh, man, it's just fascinating because when these heroes, if they take it, it amps them up. It's like steroids. So one of the things so, that you said earlier that I thought was interesting was how much you loved Carl Urban's portrayal of Billy Butcher, right? Yes. Um. So he not only did such a good job, like he's basically from the comic. Like uh, the difference, the only difference between Carl Urban's Billy Butcher and the comic Billy Butcher is a beard. That's the only difference. Okay, he doesn't have a beard in the comics. He does not have a beard in the comics. Uh, the, uh, the difference between, uh, Homelander in the comics and Homelander in the show is, and that's it. Um. Is what? Nothing. I literally oh. just stopped talking for a second. Because there, it, oh, okay. there is no difference. Uh, the guy who plays him, uh, Anthony Starr. Mm-hmm. He is basically... You remember how Stan Lee said that Robert Downey Jr. was born to play Iron Man? He was, he was born to play Homelander? <laughs> yes. Nah. He does such a good Homelander. It is insane. I think oh, they yeah. changed I think they changed Queen Mauve a little bit to be more um like her love interest part was totally different from the comic, because I don't think they ever explored that in the comic. Unless they do in later issues that I haven't read. Yeah. Um uh, A-Train is not a black guy, I want to say. I think that's the different part, but not that it matters, because nothing about that character had defined whether, what skin color he had, but I think that's the difference. Um, yeah, Mother's Milk, Frenchie, uh, the, the female, Huey, identical. And now here's a fun fact. Another little fun fact. Uh, the, the illustrator for the comic, uh, he modeled Huey to look like, Simon uh, Pegg. Simon Pegg. And Simon and, Pegg plays his dad in the show. Well, so what's funny about that was fans of the comic. Derek, Ro as, Derek Robertson, by the way, was the artist. Thank you. Um, I knew it was a Steve Dillon, but my brain was like, Steve Dillon, say Steve Dillon. I was like, that's stupid. That's not Steve Dillon. Um. Yeah, that was pretty Right. Uh, again, Preacher being my favorite comic series ever, but I digress. Uh, when they announced that they were making The Boys, one of the big things was, contact Steve Simon Pegg, have him play this role. And Simon Pegg was at, like, Comic-Con one year when they announced it, and they said, like, are you playing Huey? And he said, I haven't been approached about anything with The Boys yet, 
I, nobody's asked me to play any specific role, but the problem is, is that, uh, I've read the boys and Huey's age is like 24, 25. I'm in my forties. Y'all need to yeah. calm down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, what was brilliant about that though, was about a year later when they were doing the casting, that's when he got contacted about playing Huey's father. Which I was very fucking happy about because I was like, "Yeah, that's a that's a super nice nod." Plus, you got mm-hmm. a good actor to play a role. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down. Oh yeah, I love Simon Pegg, man. I but yeah, this I cannot this talk so enough fun. about this show. Yeah, it's it and makes there's so fun. much that we've not brought up. There really is. There's there's a ton of little like little nods, little things here, and it's really, really, really brilliant. Um, yeah, I want to you say know, Stillwell is not a is not a female in is not a woman in the in the comic. I want to say that's a man, but I could. Uh, it, it worked here. Oh yeah, of course. Here, here's my thing. I, you know what? It doesn't matter. Whatever I say doesn't matter because my rating will say it all. Um, I'm just talking about the differences because I found them fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I don't think translucent exists in the comic, but well. To be fair, he doesn't exist in the show after a couple episodes either. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, there's some, there's some, uh, like, I kind of want them. awesome how they figured out how to take him out. Yeah, it was fucking funny. Even though I had already kind of thought of it at one point, because uh, Deadpool does something very similar to Luke Cage. Oh, nice. Uh, it's down his throat, but same thing. Um, yes. but yeah, there's, there's a, there's a couple little bits here and there sprinkled throughout the show of like this, you, this world that exists with actual people with powers that have TV shows or movies. And I kind of yeah. want to see more of those TV shows and movies cause they look hilarious. Yeah. Like Billy Zane being in that fucking, oh man. So that funny. was so funny. And, and you know, of course you find out. Butcher's reason for actually going after all these supers. Um, this correlates you know, into the this correlates the into the difference of the ending. I'm going to assume. Now, in the show, his wife has been missing for eight years, and you learn that she used to work for uh, Vault International, and then she just one day went missing. Every morning he gets up, he has his cereal, and he watches a video. You see her sitting in a park. She gets up off of a park bench and walks past a uh, public security camera, and then he hasn't seen her since. He believes she's still alive. Her family's like, she's dead. Let's move on. And he thinks that Homelander had something to do with it. And twist ending... She's, I'm not going to spoil exactly the circumstances, but let's just say that Homelander's involved, she's not dead, and yeah. So that's the difference. In the comic, Billy is sleeping with his wife. He knows that she's pregnant because he thinks it's his kid. During their during the middle of the night, the baby literally cuts his way out of Billy, and Billy kills the baby. Ooh. 
Yeah. So in, in this particular moment in his life, he has both killed a superhero baby and watched his wife die. In their bed. So that's the difference. <laughs> okay. Also, when they found that lab and he actually used that baby, uh, you know, it had the, uh, it wasn't concussive. Uh, blast like Cyclops has from the X Men, but it was that like was a straight up fucking lasers, lasers. Uh, from his eyes that could cut through anything. He's holding that baby up and just using it as a gun. That was fucking hilarious. It was awesome. It was fucking awesome. Uh, but yeah, dude. Like, do you want to get into re- uh, ratings now? Yeah, or? yeah. We're gonna have to go, go into that and move on, or else we're gonna have a two hour show. <laughs> uh, this this uh, this series. Uh, they're already working on season two. Um, you know, it's eight episodes. They're 55 minutes to just over an hour long. It's eight hours of gross out, hilarious, well-written, smart action. Um, there was a gentleman from Polygon, Ben Kushera, who said that it was a well-written show that was absolutely given us, given to us at the least possible time of need. I say to you, Ben Kushera, pull your head out of your ass, unclench your asshole so you can fit your big ass head right out it and stop being a killjoy because nobody can dictate when we need what in our lives. Not you, not anybody else. This show is a gift. It is wonderful. I give it an A fucking plus. And a big F to Ben Kushera's opinion. <laughs> so, uh, throughout watching this entire series, I uh, I was um, amazed with the level of necess- necessary accuracy to the comic, while also telling its own story. It was fucking awesome. I, I have said over the course of time that if you do a remake, an adaptation, or a, re- a reimagining, you need to keep three essential things. Spirit, um, theme, and some characters. Uh, because otherwise, you, you kind of lose what it is. Mm-hmm. Unless it's, ba- if you're doing a based off of, then you can do whatever the fuck you want. But if you're doing a remake, an adaptation, or a reimagining, that's what you need to do. Um, this is why Lion King sucks so bad. Uh, I digress. Don't go see Lion King. Don't, don't go see Lion King. Um, this show does all of that in spades and more so. Uh, it is fucking fantastic. I highly, 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 highly recommend it. A plus. I knew you were going to give it an A plus. I knew I was going to give it an A plus. I, it, it, dude, it's so fucking well done. Glued to the screen kind of entertainment. Hilarious, but also like kind of realistic in a way. Yeah. And, you know, there's a level of tragedy there. And you see reasons for superheroes who used to be like Starlight, who become cynical and disenfranchised and bitter. And you see why they are the way they are. And it's just a fascinating, fascinating show. Uh, I, I can't I can't speak highly enough on it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um. All right, then. So, let's go ahead and move on to Orange is New Black, since we spent a lot of time on that. Yeah, we did, but 
you know, we did spoil a few things, but we didn't drop any super major spoilers on you. Well, um, also on that note, like, honestly, at this point, I feel like if if you're listening to this podcast, you likely watched it already. Yeah, yeah. Because it's uh, been out for a week now. Um, but, yeah. No, two weeks. By the two time weeks? this episode comes well, out, it'll be two yeah, weeks. Yeah, two weeks, that's true. Yeah, both of them dropped on the same day. Uh, you know, new beginnings, a new series with, uh, the boys and, uh, saying goodbye to Orange is the New Black. Yeah, so. And in a a lot of ways, this show is one of the main reasons this podcast exists. Is Um, it? in In an abstract way, yeah. Oh, because, yeah, because this, this, this show is, is one what of the got... first original streaming service, you know, Netflix is one of the very first original. This show and, uh, oddly enough, um, House of Cards. House of Cards, thank you. I was like, I was like, fucking Kevin Spacey show, what the hell's its name? Uh, even though but, it's not on it anywhere near it anymore. <laughs> but, you know, had these original content shows, Lock Oranges, The New Black, never existed, we probably wouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah. So, um, I have always enjoyed the show. Uh, from but we never covered it until last year when we covered season six. Yeah. So, if you remember, everybody, when we went to cover season six, this is kind of interesting. I hadn't watched past season three because uh, something else came in my life. Not because I didn't like the show by any stretch of the imagination. It was just something else came up. By the time the next season came out, I was busy, kind of slipped through the cracks. So when we went to review season six, I fucking plowed through season four, five, and six, which arguably are the best seasons of the show. (laughs) I mean, the show just keeps getting better, technically. Yeah, the like, show the sh- started out strong and just kept getting stronger. Yeah. And yeah, the, you could you could actually say the weakest season of the show is the first season, and that was a great season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, but, this, uh, one, this one, it starts off, you know, Hopper was released from prison, released from prison. Uh, the aftermath of the Cell Block Wars is... Uh, you know, pretty much done. You know, there's not a feud going on between C block and D block anymore. Uh, because those sisters end up killing each other. Uh, and you see, you see glimpses and storylines. They're getting wrapped up. You know, it starts out poor Blanca. She is in an ice detention center. You know, she was a legally immigrated uh, individual but because she accepted a role in organizing the riot uh, they revoked her immigration status and now she's stuck she's awaiting a hearing and it just so happens because the corporation that purchased the prison uh, they happened to open up a detention center Right down the hill, right down the road from the maximum security facility, conveniently enough. Um, you know, you see 
And this show has done a good job at always using current, ongoing things in the world, uh, social issues, social injustices in the world as vehicles for storytelling. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm not going to say that it's a great thing that it does that. Yeah, it's helping to shed light on that. But at the same time, you know, it also makes the attempt at times to humanize some of the offenders. And that kind of detracts from the seriousness of uh, the social injustices that are portrayed at hand at times. I can get that argument. I've seen that argument made. Um, but however, I thought they really did a good job with not doing that this year. Like these ice guards didn't see a human side to them at all. They were pieces of trash. Um, they treated everybody in those centers as pieces of trash. They didn't humanize them at all. Like they did with Bailey, who accidentally killed Poussey at the end of season four. They humanized him. You know, they... They showed he was suffering from it. They showed he had problems. You felt sorry for him. You see that he didn't mean to do it, and he tried to apologize and make amends. And at the same time, you know, the I can't breathe with Eric Garner, that was what that was paralleling. It kind of took away from that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a way, this this season didn't suffer from that at all, I don't feel. Um, no, 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 it, it definitely picked up on some stuff that's been going on. Um, I gotta get off Twitter, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it definitely picked up on the current the social viewpoint, yeah, the, the Me Too movement, and also with illegal immigration, um, you know, and how, um, a large portion of the country is like, oh, well, they don't belong here. Send them back. And not even thinking about anything. Um, you know, it opens up in the first episode. We see one of the one of the former inmates that was uh, one of the Maritza uh, Flocka's best friend. You yeah, know, you see them get separated at the end of season five, and you never saw her again. Well, she had actually made parole. She's out, she's living her life, and she's doing well. And she's going to clubs and this and that, and she's having a fun time. You know, she shouldn't be going to clubs because it's a violation of a parole. And then, boom, there's an ice invasion. She didn't have her ID on her so she could get into the club because... If her ID was, you know, had that restriction showing she's a felon, she wouldn't have been able to get in. So she's put in a detention center. She's like, well, I was born here. I was born here. And several episodes focuses on her trying to find a way to get in touch with her mom. You see the conditions in the, uh, in the center. There are pay phones for the detainees to use. 
However, they have to use a phone cord, and the only way to get a phone cord is through the vending machine, and the vending machine doesn't work. Uh, there are not translators there for everybody in the center. Uh, some of these, you know, they, they have a Spanish-speaking translator. Well, there are uh, multiple nationalities of women in the center. Not everybody speaks Spanish. Yeah. So that was a problem. But, you know, they have what's, rights what's, to things. And what's really bad, Josh, is that, and I'm sure you were going to say this, but I'm just going to chime in now. The stuff that was shown in the in this episode, or that's sorry, in this season, in terms of what these women, what men, even on that note, have to deal with in an ICE facility, is this is toned down, toned down. Fair enough. Uh because here's the thing about this ICE facility. This is not this is not a a uh, typical de- detainment center place. No. This is uh this is like these women are going to go into a court and and fight for their citizenship or fight to stay here versus yeah. what a lot of these people have to deal with where they're just in a detainment facility before long before that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a facility that houses 75 women in the one area and they build a courtroom in it and the judge is there and the judge comes in they make the hearing and then go from there uh they do have access to computers to where they can study their cases but most of them don't have the knowledge of how to do so you know so they can't use it and it, it it's it's sad but the kitchen, they realized that they were having people there work the kitchen, and this is how they tied it together. Uh, the detainees like, well, if we're not getting paid, we're not running the kitchen, so nobody would feed them. So the maximum security prison at Lutchfield there, they were like, well, we gotta, we got to have a kitchen crew. So they take Red, they take Gloria, they take Flocka. Um, they take Nikki, uh, Morello, and I think there was going to be one more, but they send them all down to the kitchen, and that's how they're reunited with Blanca and Maritza at first. So you get to see a little reunion of sorts, and they're trying to help them get in contact with their families. Maritza needs her birth certificate to prove she's a citizen. You know, and we see how that turns out for her. That was so fucking sad. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's the thing about this show is there's so much. Like. You feel for these characters a lot. You you watch them Indeed. go through these journeys and, and, and you see what they do. And then you see their down moments and their down moments seem so much harder than their up moments. Yes. Um. Especially, especially fucking Doggett, man. Like, oh my god, that was that was tragic as fuck. We've watched her, we have watched her go from complete crackhead to completely clean, with new teeth and and doing better for herself and in in general doing better. I'm trying then, to better herself in every way, form, and fashion. And then the riot, like, kind of fucked that up a little bit. She goes to Max Penitentiary. 
but does what she needs to do correctly to get into Florida, which is the safest part of Max. Uh-huh. And, and then, she was also a fugitive at one point. She was on the run with one of the oh, cars. Oh, that's, that's why she's in Max, is because she was a fugitive. I couldn't remember why. Yeah, yeah, she just, she when, when they had the break in the fence, she wasn't even there for the ride. She was hanging out with her guard boyfriend. I just at, remember it happening during the ride, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was the same season, so I was like, yeah, the riot thing. Uh, but yeah, during during this season, she like fights for education and get and is trying to get her GED, so that way she can you know when she gets out she'll have something and and this is this is a big accomplishment for her. She learns she has a learning disability and yeah. and she goes forward to to fix this and does what needs to happen to 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 learn and to do this test correctly and then gets completely fucked over. Yeah. Because of uncertain, un- unfortunate circumstances. Well, uh, uh, well, let's be fair. You know, Luschek is a piece of shit. Oh, well, he's, he's, a, yeah. he's an entertaining piece of shit, but it was his fault. And she confronted him about it. And then, boom, she resorts to her one weakness. Her one weakness is present in front of her. And what happened as a result of that was just so fucking sad. And the next day you see she's passed. Oh my god, that's just heart-wrenching. It's absolutely terrible. She did such an amazing job. And somebody, um, she says that her Instagram was hacked. Some people suspect it was her. But they said this show didn't do me any good at all. Like, she was ostracized from the rest of the cast and talked about or whatever. She says her Instagram was hacked and she loved working on the show. Who knows? But, hey, I think she did a great job as uh, Taryn Manning, the actress that played her. She did an awesome job as that character. Oh, yeah. Because you go from absolutely hating her in season one to loving her by the end of the show. And there were a lot of characters that that started that way, like Gloria. I hated Gloria in season one. Loved her after season two. Yeah, I know. There's, I've never seen a a, such a big cast of characters that caused me so much fucking heartbreak. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, it's it's just, I mean, maybe it's because we've been with them for so long that we care about their journey this much. Um, I mean, I can't imagine you watching season seven without having watching one through six, but uh. It's, it's, there's so many, so many of these characters that, like, I just want the biggest success. And when it doesn't happen, and something worse happens, it just breaks my fucking heart. Yeah. Like like Maritza, for example. With Maritza, with uh, Tasty. Oh, God. Uh, with um, Doggett, you Doggett. Know, you know, and here, Tasty's best friend, Cindy, she got out. And, oh, Cindy, yeah. And she she could have told the truth, but it wouldn't have made a difference at that point. No, uh, it wouldn't. You know, and that episode, that next to last episode, that was set up. I mean, all season long, you're thinking Tasty's going to kill herself. She's going to off herself. And she almost was going to 
And then that one moment in the end. And you see that, you know, she is heading up the GED program in the prison now. She's helping. Uh, she's got a movement started thanks to Judy King. Um, you know, a scholarship in Poussey's memory to help give small loans to these women upon release to help them get on their feet so they don't fall back into the old methods of things to come back. That's awesome. But at the same time, she's still stuck in there for the rest of her fucking life, and it's bittersweet for something she didn't do. And it's very bittersweet. But, you know, you see that she's not giving up. Uh, I like wanted. I want. Oh, you know what I wanted to do so bad. By the way, like, I oh, if there was a way to just fully take a sledgehammer to that asshole's face who ran ice. Yes. Well, the fact that that Flocka got the uh the, the his name was Carlos Litwack, and she got the nickname Clitwack. Yeah. Uh, to stick that was funny as hell i love how they they do that for a bit they do that for like a moment for like an episode it was just kind of like okay whatever and they move on and they don't really talk about it until the last episode when the guy walks in and casually is like we got a problem clip back or whatever yeah oh man that was so funny <laughs> it's like oh shit i forgot about that yeah nice little callback um i so yeah. uh one of the things i'll talk about is in the last episode because uh, they touch on it. It's not the, the most, like, the thing that got me hardest, to be honest with you. I just thought it was really cool. Um, it was uh, when they show the Ohio facility, which is where everyone else was sent, apparently. Yeah. From season, after season five. Because uh, yeah. there was, like, half of the cast, like, was just gone. Yeah. And, yeah. um. We didn't see them. Well, they, they, they got moved to Ohio, which is where Alex eventually had got sent to. Yep. Uh, and it was really fucking cool to see all these characters for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like Angie and fucking, uh, uh, what was the other girl's name? You know, the two, the two meth heads that were always yeah. about getting high for years and years. They, they were the, 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 uh, the bulk and skull of this show. Yeah, pretty um, much. Uh, yeah, it was really cool to see them. It was really cool to see, uh, Husay's girlfriend at the time. Uh, yeah. she was, she was kind of, uh, oh, she it was, was still nice that they it, brought but... her back for a flashback scene too. That was nice to see. Oh, that fucking, like, I legit was, I could not stop crying. Like, I was so happy to see her because we haven't seen her since season four. And... Like, a lot of what happened in season, like, the end of season four and into five, like, I probably cried more during season five because they kept alluding to that. Every time they would do something with Tasty or Cindy or, or Suzanne, I just, it hurt. It hurt my heart. And so when they showed her and her positivity with Tasty's situation, I was just yeah. like, I, I can't hold it back. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, and oh my god, the fact that they humanized, uh, Fig, that Fig actually showed emotion and gave a fuck, and 
you know, you see how terrible Ice is when Fig calls them despicable. Uh, and just the whole relationship between her and Joe, they're wanting a kid. And they end up, and you know, end up, uh, you know, he gets me too and she's like, ignored, it's bullshit. Just you want to make it worse if you try to get in front of it, let it go away. But I love their dynamic. It was awesome to see them, how they ended up. And, you know, when they go in that adoption facility in the end, I was just like, oh, that's awesome. And you know they took that little girl home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, oh, man. The downfall of some characters. <clears throat> like, early on, one of the characters that was really beloved, um, Dasha Polanco's character, um, ah, uh, shit. What's her name? Uh, I don't, I don't remember any of the actresses' names, unfortunately, but... Oh, uh, Dianara, Daya. Yeah, oh, remember Diana. how she was just all sweet and timid and just a, you know, she was just a really good character. And how she became, like, just the worst inmate, the worst out of everybody. How she was, you know, drug addicted and controlling the drug flow and just hateful as shit. You know, and her mom... She had gotten out, Aleda had gotten out, and she was living with the head guard, and just that whole comeback. That that end scene with them two, how that turned out, I kind of hope Aleda actually did it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, I agree. It's... I, I, it... Uh, some yeah. some of the characters got happy endings. Some of them got miserable, horrible endings. Uh, but in a sense, there was a lot. There was a lot of closure. There was like, every every character got closure. Uh yeah, like every in in a way, in a way, every character got closure. I think Reds was probably the most tragic, or one of the most tra well. Among the most tragic, I can't really say. That scene between her and Nikki in, like, I think the 12th episode, like, when she's clearly kind of going in and out of, uh... Lucidity. Uh, lucidity, yeah, thank you. Like, oh my god, dude. You uh, you wanted some heavy tears, there you go. And then, you know, Morello, her mental breakdown. She just oh, that was heartbreaking. Yeah, that was that was. I thought she had made. I thought she had made a a recovery. I thought she had come out of it essentially. That well, I mean, she's she's mentally ill, and nobody was treating her for anything. And right. basically, between Red and Nikki, they were they were her therapists they were her treatment yeah and to see nikki in the end she becomes red she becomes the head of the kitchen she becomes that the mother awesome. figure to these other girls and that was amazing to see her step up into that role yeah. you know wholeheartedly agree i i 
I really there's there's a lot of characters where their story could continue. There's a lot of stuff in the show where they could have another season, mm-hmm. but I'm glad they stopped it now. Because my mom said to me, because we watched the last episode together, and she goes, "I should understand why they're why they're ending it now. Like the show is just it's, it's at its peak. Like people love it, and they're still talking about it." And I go, "You got it." And that's hike. why you end it. Because yeah, there is more story you could tell, but at this point, go out on a high note. Give everybody an ending, which they did. Check actually did the right thing for the first time in his life and then allowed Gloria to go home to her family and be reunited with her daughters that she hadn't seen in, what, 15 years or better? You know, not only does she go home to her sons, but she now has a grandchild by one of her daughters that we didn't even know about until this season. You know, that that was amazing that she got to go home. You know, you see a happy ending for her. Um, you know, you see Blanca. She's finally granted her green card status back. She's free. But what does she do? She goes to wherever it was that Diablo was sent to. Those two are so fucking adorable together. Oh, <laughs> I love them. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, love she, their uh, story. Yeah, I'm, I was really happy that that that, that one had a happy end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just because of how much they fought, like they fought for their freedom, they fought to be together for so long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was, never was gave so... up on her, and she never gave up on him. And yep. And it was it uh, was that was heartwarming amongst a lot of garbage. A lot of heart wrenching. Um, garbage people in this show sometimes, too. Yeah. Speaking of garbage people, you saw that brief glimpse of porn stash with Dyer's baby uh, in the end. That's who that was. <laughs> that was porn stash. He had just shaved the stash. I forgot about that. Because my mom and I were just like, who the fuck is that? I was like, I don't know who that is. But yeah, that that that's who that was. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, the the only thing I did not like about the ending, and you know, we haven't even mentioned her at all, hardly. You know, Piper's out in the world. She's trying to find her way through all this stuff. And Let's you know, be she's, honest. She's, since when has Piper's story been interesting? Not since season two. Yeah. It, it, was, it was actually more interesting when she was out trying to readjust to life. I agree. It was I more interesting. Agree. I still hate the fact that she was trying to make shit work with Alex. And I absolutely loathed that final scene is the one criticism of this uh, this season where she went to and she was still with Alex. And I hated that. So I will argue. I will I argue one thing that. against that. I will argue one thing against that. That is very in line with her character. It's in line uh, with her character, yes. It's not in line with what really happened in real life, though, because the real Piper in real life, she's still with Larry. But, you know... Yeah, right. Um, however, the fact they brought this, him back for a couple episodes—that was cool. This character's actually been f- pretty different than what the woman who was in prison wrote in her book, because what she experienced there was no there was no riot. There yeah. was no riot. There was no uh, like the character of Alex that is based off of somebody that she knew. Like, isn't to the extent that the show does. So no, no. the Piper that we know in this show is fucking drastically different than the girl who wrote the original book. Yeah. 
And from my perspective, the scene where she's talking to Larry about what she should do, and she's like, I'm not that old one, and I'm, I'm not the old Piper, and I'm not this Piper that you think I am. I'm a new Piper. And he was like, then do what new Piper would And her fucking upending her entire life and moving to a new state to be with Alex, but at the same time, taking the appropriate steps to better her life yeah. is 100% Piper. Piper. Um, and at I least agree she did take the appropriate steps. Yes, I agree with you. It's dumb that she did that, but it's totally Piper and whatever. Um, because when we talk about the hierarchy of like interesting stories in this show, she's on the goddamn bottom. Yeah, absolutely at the bottom of the list. Uh, even Alex's story in this season was more interesting than last season by lolly leaps and bounds. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that was the only critique I had last season was like, their story is so uninteresting entirely. Mm-hmm. I did I did enjoy the fact that, you know, they got rid of that uh Murphy character, that Madison. I hated her. Oh, I hated that girl. So <laughs> Well I was happy I agree. I hated her too, but you're supposed I, to hate her. I, I yeah. And you know, the the drug dealer is a daddy character. I'm glad they got rid of her. I was surprised they got rid of both of them in the first episode. Or even the second episode. Uh, and it's just like, wow, cool. But yeah, the dynamics that they did, you know, there, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went on. Um, but I like the fact that it got closure. It felt so just, uh, it, it felt nice to see it all get wrapped up and a nice little bow on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was. I'm very, I'm very happy with how everything went, and and uh, now we're done, we're done with it. <laughs> but it'll be, it'll live on as one of the greatest shows of all time. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is a wonderful show. It to me, it just it kept getting better and better. I, I, I think I don't know if this was its best season, but it's definitely the most satisfying season. Uh, yeah, because of the ending, you know, you get that closure. I think um, the best season, personally, is four. By probably, I, 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 probably agree with that. I probably agree with that. Uh, uh, that was that was you know where a lot of these. There, that was a, a huge turning point in the show for a lot of the characters. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to grades, sir. Well, I went first last time, so, you know. Um, with everything that was said, with how much emotion and, and uh, connectivity I had to the characters, I'm going to give this season an A+. Um, I don't think I was unentertained by any of it. Um, I don't think any part of it was it, it was boring, unlike last season. Or, hell, even season five. Um, I never was uninterested as my Everything was written so expertly and and done so well that none of it was out of touch for me. And I always love when the show tried to hit on on uh, sociopolitical notes because that to me was something that needs to be spoken about more often when it comes to media. Is, is how real world implications can affect 
situations like we're seeing in the show. Uh, it, even it is a it is a fiction, but it's based on reality. So let's have some reality in there. I love that. Um, they handled it very very yeah. nicely, very very well. Especially like like we mentioned the Me Too stuff earlier. Like they, the way that they had to deal with that with Caputo and whatnot was so was so clever because. It did, it showed how how somebody who is being accused and doesn't know they're being accused can handle that situation, how to improperly handle it, and then how to properly handle it from a guy's perspective, from somebody who is getting accused. Um, but also making a very valid point, like if this shit happens, apologize and let it pass. That was that yeah. was that was what he had to understand, and then. Somehow making uh, his, uh, the woman that he was with, I can't remember her name. I've hated her. What's that? Oh. Fig, thank you. I've hated her for for years. This was the first season. Oh, I love her. I, oh, she would piss me the fuck off constantly. Um, but this season, I actually liked her. This was the first time I actually I actually liked her and uh, felt for her in, in a lot of situations. So kudos to the writing team for that, making that turn around be a thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I adored this season, cried like a fucking little bitch at numerous parts. Um, yeah, if you haven't watched if you haven't watched the show, definitely start now. You have fucking seven seasons to get through. It'll take you a while, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think if I was to give the whole show a rating, a, a score, if you will, um, I'd give the whole show the series as a yeah, whole. Yeah, give the whole show an A. Uh, it, it has its it has its A moments. <laughs> it really does, but I've never been unentertained by the show. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this this season an A. Uh, I'm not gonna go quite A plus. But it's on the cusp of it. There were just a few things I would have liked to have seen it go a little bit differently. But this show, it, it runs the gamut of how a show should make somebody feel with this many seasons. You know, there's genuine joy. There's genuine laughter. There's genuine anger. There's genuine sadness and sorrow. Genuine tragedy. It's... It, does all that so well you know there are some things that it could do better could have done better but in the end it is ultimately a very satisfying show overall i'd give the show as a series a solid a rig as well uh i'm glad that it went out on a high note i'm glad that it wasn't drug out to be something terrible uh, you know, I think the nice sweet spot for most seasons, most shows is five to seven seasons, somewhere in that area. I think you can tell all the story you need to tell in that space, because a lot of times if it goes longer than that, it starts to suffer. Uh, this show didn't suffer. This show started strong, gained momentum, stayed strong, and I love it. You know, I'm not ashamed to say it, uh, you know, and I'm happy that this show became a show, and because, you know, ultimately, that's 
that's one of the shows that led to this. And I'll enjoy doing this. Um, you know, it's one of my favorite things in the week is doing this show. <clears throat> um, but yeah, this show is something that I will always appreciate. Uh, and have good thoughts about good memories on and you know we'll eventually probably revisit down the line yeah uh, but it's it's a high recommendation for me so solid a and i'll give the whole series as a whole a day. Right. cool i uh yeah i mean i i knew that we were both going to give both shows really high marks um it was almost it was almost two shows with an A plus on one episode. <laughs> almost, but that's happened before. Has it? What other episode did we do? I believe it I believe it has. Okay, well let's go back and look, but um Yeah, guys. Fucking the boys. Orange and New Black. Go watch them if you haven't. We guarantee you'll have a good time with both. At least we did. Um but yeah, that's gonna do it for us this week, guys. Next week, or next next week, we're doing uninhibited, where Josh and I talk about some shit. Um, and again, listen, if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, hit us up on Instagram at Cued Up Podcast. Sorry, that's that's the Twitter. Twitter's at Cued Up Podcast. Instagram is all Cued Up Podcast with underscores between each word. Uh, we have a Facebook fan page. We have a discussion group, which you can be invited to, which you need to be more active in. Uh, we have a we have a dis we have a, a Discord opened up. Um, yeah, yeah, and we put the Discord links. Uh, you know, we put links to all these in the description of the episode, and we started the Discord, and we're seeing some good activity in there in the first week. Yeah. Uh, well, it's technically it's only been five days, but we're we're seeing some activity in there. So if you join the Discord, thank you. If there's a particular topic you want us to talk about, I've <clears throat> there's a general chat channel, and then there's the uninhibited topic ideas suggestion channel, and then if there's something you want us to watch that we haven't touched on, you want to hear our take on it, there's that uh, channel for that, for streaming suggestions. Yeah. And you know that we want to grow the Discord, we want to be more involved, and talking with our listeners and you know some of them friends of ours some of them you know are people we've not spoken to before and it's uh it's cool it's a cool place to interact it's a simple app discord is and it's a lot of fun um but yeah check us out on all the social medias links are below and don't forget to buy a t-shirt yeah hit, uh, hit, hit up our red bubble store buy a t-shirt and then when you get your t-shirt, take a picture of you with the t-shirt, showing it off, and saying, look at this sweet fucking shirt I got right here. And then tag us in your Twitter post or your Instagram post. Or post it to the Discord. Hell, you can do that. Post it to Facebook. Just tag us. Let us know. We love seeing that. Um, yeah, we, we want yeah we want you guys to be very interactive. Well, we'd like for you guys to be very interactive with us. Because... We do this show, uh, I don't want to say for you, because that sounds like it's an obligation. My point is, is, is we like to have the interactivity. We, we want you guys to be a part of the show as best you can. Like I said, even if it's just a message of just say, like, hi, thanks, and you want us to let us know, 
please, any any of those uh, sources that we gave you, like, just talk to us, communicate with us, let us know how your you know how your day's going. Um, I don't know, I don't one, know that we'll read one, that one on the, the podcast, things, but <laughs> yeah, one one of the things that I enjoy about this show is, you know, all of us have varying degrees of free time. Time is a precious commodity. It is a very valuable thing to me. I love being able to spend time with my daughter, uh, who starts school tomorrow morning, and I'm going to go spend the evening with her here in just a few moments. <clears throat> I love spending time with my family, my wife. I love spending time with my friend. And sometimes I love spending time watching just something that's entertaining that either my, me and my wife can enjoy or we can all enjoy as a family. That's part of why I do this is because I know if I enjoy it, I'm hoping that the reasons why I enjoy it will be reasons that maybe you enjoy it. And if I can help you eliminate wasted time by watching something worthwhile, something that you would enjoy, and not investing time into something that ultimately you wouldn't enjoy, if I can help influence that and just help you gain a little more free time for things that you enjoy, with the people you care about or in your entertainment, that's awesome to me. You yep. know? So that's that's a big part of why I do that. Yeah. That's and then and, and we re and, and again, like uh we want to hear from you guys. That's 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 the nitty gritty of it. We want to hear from you. So um if you watched one of the shows that we that we watched, come let us know what you thought. We will ab happily have a discussion with you. Uh I usually carry my phone around at all times, so I usually see the Discord comments all the time while I'm out and about. Um, so yeah, I'll likely, I'll likely have a discussion with you about a show. Um, and again, if there's something you want us to watch or talk about on Uninhibited, let us know. Speaking of that, to kind of move away from this a little bit, next episode that we do a review on, so two weeks from now, uh, we will be talking about Season 3 of GLOW. Um, if you haven't watched Glow, it is a show about women wrestlers in the 80s? In the 80s, 80s yeah. yes. I was like, it's not 70s. I don't know why I think it's 70s, but yeah. Um, go watch the first two seasons of that show. Watch season three when it comes out today at, at the upload of this episode. Um, and then uh, the other show we're going to watch, which comes out today as well, is season two of Mindhunter. Um, if you haven't seen the first season of Mindhunter, it is about the... Uh, it's about a guy in the 70s. It's based on a true story who was... Yeah, it's based on John Douglas. John Douglas, thank you. Uh, but that's not the character's name. The character's name is um, uh, Holden. Uh, like, if you remember that, uh, that's... Can't remember his first name all of a sudden. But he's... But anyway, yeah, he... Agents Holden and Tench, they work in the Behavioral Science Unit of the FBI. And they're interviewing serial killers to try to understand how a serial killer thinks to help better track them down. Uh, fascinating show, especially Cameron Britton. In that first season, his portrayal of Edmund Kemper is chilling. And the actual promo for season two, it's him talking about getting into character. And it shows him getting ready to transition into the character, and it's fascinating. 
That's the promo currently up on Netflix right now. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh it's a fascinating show. You should definitely watch it. We're both excited about Glow season three and Mindhunter season two. So it'll probably be a very positive episode. <laughs> Unless either season somehow sucks. Unless one takes a tragic turn. Yeah, well, but yeah we'll, see. we'll see. But um, I'm, I, I, regardless, we're excited. So definitely check those out. Join us in two weeks' time when we talk about those. Um, guys, follow the social medias that I mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to rack my brain. Josh, where can they find you online? Well, along here, uh, you know, every Friday on this show that we do, you can catch me every Friday night, live, around 9 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel. We have a show that my friends and I do uh, called MPSP Theater, where we talk about the week's various uh, nerd culture, pop culture, entertainment kind of news and discussions and, you know, ball busting and you know it's it's a it's a fun show it's a good time we like to do that every friday night from around 9 p.m to usually about 11 p.m uh and that's eastern uh on social media my facebook profile is public it's just my first and last name and links to all of my social media accounts such as instagram and twitter etc are linked to my profile so if you want to give me a follow follow me there what about you, Greg? Where can they find you? Uh, you can follow me on any site that you choose to go to at ChubRockGeek. Quite literally, you could Google that, that ChubRockGeek and find everything that I'm a part of and that I do, um, including, but not limited to, the Mission Star podcast where I talk about video game news. <sighs> it's a insider sigh right there. Um, I also have, a personal se- I have two personal segments on the show that alternate sometimes where I talk about either Overwatch news, since that's one of my favorite games um, that's ongoing, or uh, I kind of just yell at the internet for something. Um, uh, why You're Wrong. Yeah, it's called Why You're Wrong. Thank you. I thought I said the name. I don't know why I did. Uh, but yeah, so you can follow that podcast at twitch.tv slash mission start, mission underscore start, sorry, mission underscore start, or follow social medias of uh, mission start, we actually have that Twitter account yet? Hold on, I'm double-checking, because I don't remember. I don't think so. Uh, we are Mission Start underscore is our Twitter. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, my bad. Yeah, that's fine. Well, we're trying to get just Mission Start on everything, but it's being a fucking giant pain in the ass. Um, and I even follow it, and it follows me, and I forgot. <laughs> uh... I'm not as heavy a Twitter user as you are either. I should I should put Twitter down more often, but there's a lot of memes that come off of Twitter, and that's why I would go there. Anyway, I, I digress. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, uh, hit us up, talk to us, let us know what's going on with your lives. Like, how you doing? You you pushing stool out well? Is it coming out nicely? I don't need to know that, but no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Not that specifically. Oh, boy. That's the kind of comedy that I like. Um, But yeah, guys. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week on Uninhibited. See, see you next week. Why did I say that twice? I don't know, but take care, everybody. 